Hi everybody, this is Jeremy. My wife Candace and I are the pastors at the Ridge Assembly at Park Hill. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We hope this message connects with you, that inspires you, reveals God's word of truth in your life. Be encouraged and enjoy the message. Before I go back to work, uh, I think I'm just going to take a couple of days and, and we're going to head to the beach. And so I'm super excited about that. Now, the, the Rona has kind of wrecked everybody's plans, including vacation plans for this year. And so normally where we would go down and we'd spend like a Saturday to Saturday and just hang out on the beach and we'd go to, to the mall and just all the vacation-y type stuff, you know. I'm the guy with the, the camera around the neck. Um, right, you normally do the, the vacation-y type stuff. This year, it's like it's everything's changed so it's just the beach so we're going down for literally one day on the beach but it's going to be super fun and, and exciting and, and the cool thing about going down for just one day is that it's a lot easier to find someone to take care of our dog right because we, ha- we have a, a dog and it looks it's about this big kind of looks like a mop and uh, and unfortunately it has to eat and drink every day and so we get our neighbor kids to come down the hill and and they'll feed it and stuff and and just for one day you know we'll literally gone one day they can handle one day right one day it's, it's just just maintenance we're not asking them to to do anything crazy they don't have to mow the yard or anything like that all they got to do is put a little bit of food in the bowl a little bit of water pet it on the head and and go back uh, to their house so, so that's that's easy to do it's it's easy to get someone just to keep the dog alive right, that's all we're asking right? we're, not, we're not asking it to be happy <laughs> just keep it alive right we don't expect much it's we're looking to to maintain and there's a famous passage of scripture in Matthew 25 that that talks a little bit about maintaining actually it talks a little bit about building while Jesus is away and what we'll see today and from looking at this famous passage of Scripture is that there's a big difference between maintaining, just feeding the dog, making sure it doesn't die, right? And really getting in and working and doing and building. It's Matthew 25, famous parable of Jesus. It's about a man going on a journey and he's leaving his, his, his servants in charge. And, and of course, this is a parable. And like all the parables of Jesus, it's so deep. We could spend probably weeks and weeks just looking at this at this one parable because it's just hard to even scratch the surface, right? A, a parable kind of sounds like parallel, and, and that's not on accident, right? It's from the same root word, and so this is a, it's a technique that Jesus used to draw a parallel between something that we all know about, right? Something earthly, something that we can understand, something that we've experienced, and spiritual truth, kingdom dynamics and so Jesus lays out several parables several scenarios that that we know that to explain um, um, kingdom and heavenly things and so that's what's going on here in Matthew 25 the other important thing to note just kind of groundwork here is that Matthew 25 is right after Matthew 24 I didn't even go to Bible college right but I, I got that one figured out in Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about the signs of the end of the age, right? That's the famous, you know, what will the signs of your coming be? And Jesus goes through all that. 
And he continues talking about the signs of the end of the age in Matthew 25. So it, it's kind of, it kind of flows from the same teaching. He's got several parables here, and it's all kind of related back to Matthew 24. He's, he's, he's teaching kingdom principles for the coming of his, for his second coming and the time in between in Matthew 25 that relates back to Matthew 24. Right? He talks about the time and the gap that he was going to leave the church in charge. And it was difficult for the people that he was talking to to understand this. It was, it was a difficult truth because he, they see Jesus standing right in front of them. And they say, Jesus, why aren't you crowning yourself king? Why aren't you taking control of the kingdom right now? Right? Let's get on with this millennial thing. Let's do it. You know, set, set yourself up. Rule the earth, Jesus. And they had the, the church age kind of hidden to them. And so Jesus tells this parable to kind of unlock the mystery of the church age and the stewardship that's required. Here it is in Matthew uh, 25. Beginning in verse 14, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. So right away we see a couple of things that, that we should point out. Right, we, There's a significant difference here between a dog sitter Right? Just don't let the dog die. That's all you got to do. Right? And a significant difference between that and what this guy is asking his servants to do. Right? Big difference. We see that here that this isn't maintenance. This is production. Right? First, so, so the master is going to a distant country. Right? So this is just some casual observations, a couple things just to set the groundwork. Master is going to a distant country. And, and, and this is a thing. Because this is back in the day where there weren't any airplanes, right? So this isn't just, hey, we're running down the road for a little while. This isn't like, hey, I'm going to Walmart and we'll be back. So sometimes, like, the kids are finally old enough to where they can stay at home for the couple of hours that it takes for Candace to go to Walmart. They can, like, they will probably not burn down the house in two or three hours. And so, okay, so they, they can stay there, and that's great. But that's not what this is. This is a distant country, right? So, so now we have, we have all kinds of incredible travel options, and if you're brave enough to get on an airplane in the midst of this pandemic, you can fly some crazy routes, right? You, you, you can go from, from Singapore to Los Angeles, and it's going to take you like 17-ish hours. Right? It's going to a long time, but you can do that. If you're crazy enough to squeeze into, I don't even know, like some of those long-haul flights don't even have coach because it's so horrible, but you can do that. But for the Bible to say that this guy was going to a distant land means that he was going to be gone a long time. Not just a one-day trip down to the beach, not just a trip to Walmart. We're gone, he's gone for a long time. And so now I need you to shift from maintaining to producing. Because how many of you know that when you coast, you lose altitude? When you coast, you lose speed. Now, it may be real slow. It may be very gradual. But if the master's gone for a long time and you're just coasting, you're eventually going to crash. So it's going to require some additional work. Secondly, he calls them servants. He doesn't call them friends. Our neighbors are going to feed our dog. They're our friends. They're our neighbors. Right? They'll come down. They're doing us a favor. Right? But that's not what Jesus is saying here. 
See, you can be friends with your boss, but in the end, you still got to listen to what he or she says, right? That's, that's the way that, that it works, right? We're called friends of God. Abraham was a friend of God, and we, we, we were a part of that through the blood of Jesus Christ, right? We're friends with God, but the truth is that we're also working for him, and that we've got a job to do. Maybe the clearest definition of the way that, that, that our relationship is with God is, is to understand that he calls us children, First John 3, 1 says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called children of God. And we know that children honor and obey parents sometimes. <laughs> but because of respect, because, because, because of fear also, that parents provide and protect and give their kids amazing things, but they also direct with discipline when required. And so the master is gone for a long time. And he's looking at his servants to work, to perform their duties, their jobs, what they, what they have been hired to do. Not as a favor, not as a friend, but as, as something that needs to happen, as something that must engage. A couple of quick observations. Let's continue in verse 16. Then he who had received five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. And after a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered me these five talents. Look, I've gained five more besides them. And the Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You're faithful over a few things, and I made you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered me two talents. Look, I gained two more beside them. And his Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Then he who received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you were a hard man, reaping where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. And I was afraid and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, here's what, there, what I have, it's yours. And the Lord answered him and said, you wicked and lazy servant. You knew I reap where I hadn't sown and gathered where I not scattered seed, so you ought to at least have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received it back, or back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who had ten talents. For to everyone who has will be given more, and he'll have an abundance. From him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's a parable. It's a parallel. It's something that Jesus was telling us that we can understand the kingdom of God by what we see here on the earth. A couple of quick observations, and then we'll go to lunch or brunch. I don't know. It may not take long, right? A couple of quick things. This is so very important. The kingdom of God is not about maintenance. And we, the church, have gotten this wrong for, for generations, right? It, it's not about maintenance. Right? You know what it's like to maintain something. You know, again, work is still required. You got to keep going, but that's not, it's not about maintenance. Maintenance is easy. Maintenance is predictable. If, if you want to, like, like if you've worked and you've lost weight and then you just want to maintain a certain weight, 
you know the exercises you've got to do. You know how much you can eat, how much you've got it all figured out. It's predictable. It's easy, right? If you've planted a garden, you've already done the hard work, right? You've got to keep the weeds out so there's some maintenance to do, but it's easy. It's predictable. It's easy to, to, to maintain. It's hard to create. For a long time, ladies and gentlemen, the church has been in maintenance mode. It seems like, and I'm talking about at least the American church, we, we've had these great, great periods of work and building and pushing the kingdom, but, but generations past did that. They had the Azusa Street outpouring. They had the Jesus movement. They had the Brownsville revival. They had all of those things. And, and generations past worked to accumulate power in the spirit. They worked to accumulate people in the church and then we start seeing people start walking away from faith. And then all of a sudden the church sucks in and goes into maintenance mode. What can we do to keep what we have? What, what can we do to, to circle the wagons? I guess I remember a couple of weeks ago we talked about the power of the church. And the church isn't small and the church isn't weak. But that's the big C church. I'm talking about some little C churches. Some local churches have exchanged the gifts of the Spirit for gimmicks. And again, I'm not talking about every church, uh, maybe not even most churches, but a big portion of what we see today has exchanged the power and the gifts for gimmicks and programs. So many churches that we see... They get lost in self-help theory and, and social functions and they spend all of their time maintaining the flock rather than trying to win converts. We've become inwardly focused. The Church of America is, has, has been focused on keeping the 99 instead of going after the one. Guys, I'm not here to bash churches. I'm here to challenge this church, right? To challenge this church to get out of maintenance mode. Here's the thing, guys. The master's been gone a long time. And I believe that, that we're in the last days. But, but you know what? Even if not, the truth is that life is a vapor. And the influence that you have right now won't last very long. Time is short. Life is short. And influence is feeding. And so, ladies and gentlemen, we cannot coast. The truth of the matter is that we must work to increase the kingdom. And so the questions that we need to ask ourselves as a church and individuals are what are we doing to reach the lost? What are we doing? Are we in maintenance mode? Are we just kind of coasting? I mean, it's one thing to be known as the religious guy at work. It's a different thing to have a, a targeted and legitimate conversation about the goodness of God. Well, what are we doing to bring deliverance to believers? There's a lot of people that believe in the power of Jesus Christ but are still walking in oppression. What are we doing to bring deliverance to them? What are we doing to demonstrate the power of God? And I'm talking to myself, I'm talking to this church, I'm talking to you individually. What are we doing? I hope that we're not stuck in maintenance mode. But that's the nature of humanity question that we always have to ask ourselves is what are we doing to increase Jesus' influence in our nation? The kingdom of God is not about maintenance. It's about pushing forward and growing the kingdom. It's a business. 
When Jesus talks about the kingdom, he talks about it as a business. What are you doing to grow the business? How are we investing what we've been given in order to expand the kingdom of God? Secondly, remember the principle of stewardship. Stewardship, that's our responsibility. What are we doing with what we've been given to grow the business? See, in the parable, there were three servants, and each received a different amount. So stewardship is not about taking what what everybody else gets and doing something with it. Stewardship is taking what you've been given and doing something with it. And sometimes those are big things, and sometimes it's small things. Because the truth of the matter is that, that we have all been created in the image of God, But we don't have the same talents and same abilities. We don't have the same amounts of the same stuff. If you don't believe me, ask me to sing. (laughs) You don't leave. Some people are incredibly talented in some ways and other other people. It's true even for spiritual gifts. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 12. It says "There's there's a variety of gifts, but the same spirit. Variety of service, but the same Lord. Variety of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. And you can there's a whole write-up there in 1 Corinthians 12 about that. And you can see how all the gifts of the spirits work together. The truth is that the same people that speak in tongues or give words of knowledge, or maybe not the same people that, that have the gift of healing, right? But the truth is that it takes all different kinds of people. And so, so this is where you get the different kinds of talents and abilities that you're able to invest. The same is true not only for, for, for spiritual gifts, but also natural gifts that are called the gifts of grace that you can read in Romans 12. It says, for as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Having gifts differing according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in teaching, the one who exhorts in exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And that's not an all-inclusive list. The gifts of grace include things that are just gifts and talents that God has given us to bring glory to His name, and we figure out what we do with them. As a matter of fact, it's summed up in 1 Corinthians 10.31, and twice in Colossians 3, it basically says this, whatever you do, whatever you do, do to bring glory to Jesus. Whatever you're doing, do is unto the Lord. Whatever you're doing, make it so that you can, when someone looks at you and asks for the reason that the hope that you have and the excellency that you're doing something, say, this is to bring glory to Jesus. We all have different abilities and talents. We all have different amounts, even, of the same talents. Sometimes it doesn't seem fair, right? Because sometimes it's, it's genetic that we have different talents and abilities. I'll tell you this, there is no way that I will ever fund ministry through an NFL contract, right? I like football, but <laughs> at, at 5'10", 150, I'm not even big enough to be a tackling dummy, right? And I get it honest. So my, my mom found the, the World War II draft documents for my grandpa, right, when he was going into the Army in World War II, and he was 5'9", 134 pounds. So that's just part of, like, you're not going to see an Eckert like on the offensive line of any major football team ever, right? You're, you're just not, right? Because that's just part of 
the the genetics. Sometimes it's due to gen- sometimes it's due to circumstances, right? Some people have different abilities. Maybe your parents are better connected than others, or or you got to go to college, other people didn't. Sometimes you get circumstances, right, that that give you different abilities. Sometimes, and this is the weird part. Sometimes you just some people have unmerited favor, and others don't. You know, the Bible talks about the difference between Jacob and Esau. And, and, and in Hebrews, it just says, you know what? I chose Jacob. God says, I chose Jacob. Even before he or Esau did anything, I just chose Jacob. Right? He says, I, I chose Jacob. And, and, and we don't even understand why. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not about the kind of gift that you have. And it's not even about the amount of the gift that you have. It's about the stewardship that you have. The one dude had five talents. Great. Go out, make five more. The other one had two. Great. Go and make two more. With what we've been given, we have a mandate not to just maintain the kingdom of God, but to expand it. To figure out that how your hospitality gift is able to to really expand the kingdom of God. You know, you've got a friendly face and it's easy to make conversation. Use that. How are you going to use that to expand the kingdom of God? You've got an eye for design. You've got, you've got a talent for worship. You've got whatever it is, whatever your passions and your talents are, figure out how to not just maintain the status quo, not to just hide your faith in the closet, but how to expand the kingdom of God. Because I'm telling you, the Lord is in a hurry. He was gone to a distant country, and he's left us in command of his kingdom. But it's not just to let it coast. It's to expand it and grow it. Because when he comes back, he's going to be looking to receive a harvest for places that he himself has not preached. Jesus didn't preach anywhere outside of the Middle East, a really small little area. But he says the gospel will be preached to all nations, and then the end will come. That's what he's given us to do. And so we get out, and we do something incredible. We are responsible for building the kingdom with what we've been given. Crazy passage of scripture when Moses is being called, right? You know the story of the burning bush, right? So Moses is, is being called by God and he's got all these questions because Moses' gifts and talents, according to Moses, didn't line up with what God was asking him to do. He says, God, how can I do this? I'm not a great speaker. I stutter a lot. At this time, he's about 80 years old. So so he's not a spring chicken, and he stutters. He says, God, you want me to do what? You want me to go to Pharaoh? You want me to oppose the the strongest army in the land? You you want me to lead these millions of people through a desert? And God's simple response through all of these questions is, what's that in your hand? What do you got in your hand? I was like, that's a stick. You know the story, throws it down, it becomes a snake, picks it up, it's a stick again. And, and, and through that, that same staff, he does miracles, signs and wonders, water from a rock, splitting the sea, all kinds of incredible things. What's that in your hand? And I believe that, that when we look at, at the parable from Matthew 25 and, and we start wondering, okay, God, I, I don't know... I understand that you're calling me to preach the gospel to the nations. I understand that, that you're calling me for something incredible, but, but, but I don't know how to do this. I believe that God is saying, what's that in your hand? We have an unchanging message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the bad news of sin, that sin separates you from God. It's the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
It's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the nearness of God. It's the blessed hope. It's the, it's, it's the agony of the cross and the victory of the tomb. And those are the things that we can't change. But you know what we can change? How we preach, how we speak, and how we communicate that gospel. And for those things, I believe that God is saying, what's that in your hand? Don't underestimate what you've been given. Everything that we have is significant. Last but not least, creative investments are encouraged. This is interesting to me, right? Because, so the master, in Jesus' parable, the master goes away. But he didn't leave the servants, like, real estate, per se. And he also didn't leave them a checklist, right? He didn't say, here's what you do, you know, on Monday, take out the trash. On Tuesday, you know, it, it, nothing like that. He just, he gave them liquid assets. Right? He gave them talents, his money. He said, here, take this and go invest it. And invest it how you see fit. Right? God has given us the building blocks, but he's also given us the freedom to be creative with our ideas to build his kingdom, right? He's given us the building blocks. He's given us the spirit, uh, the gifts of the spirit. He's given us you know, the graces. He's given us talents. But then he says, hey, th this is the building blocks. Now you go and you figure out how to grow the kingdom. Part of being created in the image of God is being created to be creative. God is a creative God, right? He, he, he loves building. He loves inventing. He loves putting things together. He, he, he's, he's in, and that's why we, as created in the image of God, have the same propensity to, to put things together, to make things happen, to invent and to create and to push forward. And so, ladies and gentlemen, there's not a one-size-fits-all playbook in the kingdom of God, especially in the middle of Rona land, right? 2020 has thrown out any playbook that we have. But what we do have, we have the gifts of the Spirit. We have the graces that He's given us. We've got our natural gifts and abilities. And we've got this mandate to figure out how to, to, to take what He's given us, these liquid assets that we can use how we see fit, and figure out how to invest them. I haven't seen any kind of burning bush. I haven't heard a, a, a booming voice to say, here's the way that, that we're going to affect North Little Rock through this campus. I, I have no idea. But I do know that God has given us gifts and abilities and talents. And now he's asking us to be creative with the way that we preach the gospel. The way that we leverage our influence. So what do we do? What do we do? We be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our partner in ministry here, right? As we possess the gifts and the talents and, and the abilities, be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to say, okay, here's an opportunity, right? Get ready to step into that. Keep your head up. Look for opportunities. Make opportunities and negotiate your plans with God. You know, God is interested in what you want to do for his, to build his kingdom. God is interested in your ideas, if you can find a way to partner with God and have Him partner with you, especially as you're doing His will, then suddenly the barriers come down, paths become straight, and God, has, God will make a way for you to be effective in His ministry because it's about building His kingdom. So that's it, guys. It's a challenge to us this morning.
please, 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 please. 2020 is a crazy year. And, and, and we've had people come through this church um, from a lot of different churches around. Thank you for visiting this morning. But, but so many people, this um, Samantha's family from First Baptist has come. Right? You guys are from North Little Rock First, and, and you've got a great church too. And, and it's just so, we, all the people here and all the people that are wa- watching online, we represent so many different church families around Central Arkansas. But the weird thing is that since the playbook has gone out, we see a lot of people just getting ready to coast, and that cannot be. That cannot be. The fields are harvest. Uh, the fields are white, ready for harvest. There, we've got to get out of maintenance mode and do something. And so the challenge to us today, the churches, the church bodies that we represent, the churches around central Arkansas that I believe are getting ready to step into a major revival, the, the challenges to take what we've got as liquid assets and imagine ways to preach the gospel, partnering with the Holy Spirit in power to demonstrate and to confirm his word with signs following. That's the message today. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today. We invite you to be part of our online community by subscribing to this podcast. Also, follow us on social media at The Ridge Assembly PH on Facebook and Instagram. If you live in the central Arkansas area, we certainly invite you to be part of our live community. You can join us Sunday mornings at 1030 a.m. at the Old Park Hill Elementary Building. That's at 3801 JFK Boulevard in North Little Rock. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.